This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kicking off hour number two, we do it in style. David Sampson joins us, baseball analyst for CBS Sports HQ, former executive with the Marlins MLB trade deadline, came and went yesterday afternoon. We'll get into all of that, into the weeds. David, good morning, brother. How are you? David, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? All right, man. We're doing well. We're doing well. You know, David, I'm sorry. Taz and I were just talking about it. Um, you know, early returns here on the one trade deadline in Major League Baseball. Like it or no? I actually did like it, but I think in the next four weeks I'm not going to like it. So let me explain. <laughs> what it caused yesterday were a ton of trades that I would call August trades previously. Trades that add depth to teams. Trades that, that are really minor trades that you're doing to either take care of an injury that takes place where you need to replace that player for your playoff-bound team, or you're trying to add to your bench, or you're trying to clear out roster spots once you are uh, getting to August and you're a non-competing team. And knowing that deadline didn't exist, you had teams doing that before July 31st. So it added a little bit of uh, extra work for the GMs to do yesterday. Hey, David, who would you say the, uh, the big winner of the Trevor Bauer trade is? Oh, for me, it's got to be the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. Uh, they managed to decide that they were going to uh, put $18 million next year into the payroll for Trevor Bauer. Uh, they got rid of Yasel Puig, uh, who is – that's an addition by subtraction. Uh, so it, it sort of takes the cancer out of the clubhouse, and you bring in a guy who definitely couldn't go back to Cleveland because of what he did. But he's a, he's a strange, different kind of guy, but not ma- not malicious in the way that Puig is in, inside a clubhouse and on the field. And you've got a, a, a owner in Cincinnati who doesn't want to rebuild, is satisfied with being in the middle, uh, and thinks that having Bauer along with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray is the beginning of a good enough rotation to compete in the NL Central, which it's not. Um, when you look at, um, you know, the yesterday the big splash was made by the Houston Astros, who not only strengthened their bullpen but also added Zach Greinke to the starting rotation. Uh, the Astro fan is it was smiling yesterday. He's got to be smiling this morning. What, do you love what Houston did yesterday, David? Oh, yeah. Here's why. Because when you have a good team and you've won a World Series and you've built a big farm system and you've got a great lineup and you've got a great one-two starting pitching, what do you do? You know what? You go for it. And when you have an opportunity to get Zach Renke and you got Arizona to finally pay a decent amount of his contract, so you end up signing him really to a three-year, $54 million deal. So call it $18 million a year for Zach Renke, who is a solid number three starter and will become a solid number two starter once they lose cold to free agency. And he doesn't have to carry the staff because you've got Verlander through 21. You've given away four of your best prospects, but that's what prospects are for. They are there to help you win at the major league level. It's not great to be the number one ranked farm system and never win a World Series. What fun is that? When you've got a good farm system, you use it to try to win rings. And that's what Houston did, and that's what the Yankees did not. 
Well, speaking of that, you know, the criticism that Cashman is facing here yesterday, today, will move forward unless this Yankee team is winning the World Series without being strengthened here, David. Do you think it's justified? It's extremely justified. It is staggering to me. Very rarely after a trade deadline are there clear winners and losers because there's a lot of wait to see. You just don't know how some of these trades will end up with prospects moving who don't develop for a year or two. You don't know how much help certain players will be when you add them to a bullpen, etc. But what a clear, clear day for the New York Yankees yesterday. They swallowed hard. They would not give in. And I've been saying it on CBS Sports HQ. The Yankees have to lose a trade before July 31st. They have to acknowledge that they're going to overpay to get a starting pitcher because by not doing that, you are guaranteeing that your team cannot win the World Series. Guaranteeing it. And that's not what you want to do on July 31st. Well, let me ask you this, David. Where's the What's the guy then? Give me the guy that, that they should have overpaid for. I mean, you, you can't give up Floreal and Garcia as the Mets tried to flip Stroman to him. You, you can't do that. Uh, you know, you want to tell me Robbie Ray? Is the difference between the Yankees, uh, you know, win a World Series and not? Where, where's the guy? I mean, Trevor, you want to say it's Trevor Bauer? They, they should have went all out and, and gotten Bauer from the Indians? With Bumgarner not being available, where, where, the Mets are never trading Wheeler or Syndergaard to the Yankees. They, they don't want to see them help, uh, you know, especially the next two years. They want to trade <laughs> Thor to the Yankees? They don't want to do that. Make the Mets over win a trade for one time. Let the Wilpons win a trade and overpay to get Stroman overpay to get Bauer. They're going to be helpful. You know, Syndergaard, make an attempt to try to pry him loose before he pitches the night before the deadline, which he did. Make an attempt to give in. You can give up Clint Frazier and a prospect or two to get Robbie Ray. You have no choice but to do it because you're looking at, before Cashman found out about Greinke, you're talking about Verlander and Cole facing off against Tanaka and Herman or Tanaka and Happ or Tanaka and Paxton. At bat, well, the Yankees hope you, it's Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> right? you, you've got well, to hope it's not half. Yeah, really. <laughs> I agree. That's true. You know, you guys are laughing, but they're crying in the Bronx because no. oh, yeah. it is a bad day <laughs> no, when those tears. players get to the clubhouse, right? And what really happened in the real world is those players, they know that they ha- are in first place, that they've done enough with all the injuries that they've overcome to put themselves in a position where you need your front office to have your back. You need the reinforcements to be brought in, and they get to the clubhouse today, and they look around, and they see the same group, and they have to pretend everything's great, and they all have the lines that came from above, which says, hey, we've got what we need in here. You heard Aaron Boone say it. I look around. This is a championship club. Brian Cashman, we've got what we need. We're going to have two deadline additions in Severino and Batances. You've got everyone on point. But those players, they're not on point because they look at that front office and say, you let us down. You're listening to uh, CBS Sports Radio. Listen to Taz and the Moose. Our special guest right now is David Sampson, MLB analyst for CBS Sports HQ. Hey, Dave, um, so we mentioned Zeller, uh, Wheeler, I should say, a second ago there. Why do you think guys like Zach Wheeler and, and Mike Minor, Vasquez, ended up staying put? Well, it's different reasons for each. Let's start with Zach Wheeler. There was no reason in the world for him not to get traded, but I know exactly what happened. The ownership of the Mets said, you know what? We traded for Stroman. We're going to be looked at as buyers if we don't trade anyone else. If we do trade other people, we're going to look like we don't have a plan and we're doing both buying and selling. Let's not do that. Let's try to see if we can get hot and get into the playoffs this year. And if we can't, 
we know that we've got a good rotation, even if we lose Wheeler going into 2020. But it didn't address the fact that their team as a whole and the way it's operating, it's just not working well. And to think that you're going to come back from their position under 500 this late to, to jump over all those teams and actually make the playoffs is unrealistic. But I get it. I used to think that way, too. But it's just not going to work. But Vasquez for Pittsburgh, they should have traded him because they had a chance to get better. Right. Because bullpen arms are inconsistent. It is very rare that a bullpen arm is going to be good year in, year out, year in, year out. And you have to trade a guy at his max value. You saw the Marlins do that when they traded Zach Gallen, a young pitcher, and they got Arizona's number one prospect. Mm. Zach Gallen will never be worth more than he was yesterday. Nick Anderson to the Tampa Rays. The Marlins did another great job. He'll never be worth more. That's the goal at the deadline is to maximize your players, sell at the high, and the Pirates lost that opportunity. You know, did uh, you know a, a team that their bullpen's been awful since the All Star break? How about what the Atlanta Braves were able to do? You know, Shane Green headline in the list, but adding some relievers to help out that bullpen. What a great job! You know, the only thing I took issue with is that they're actually paying Melanson's contract, which is a complete overpay. But the Braves had been criticized both inside their clubhouse and by their fans and media that they had a lot of money left to spend. They have a lot of outside stadium revenue uh, with all the, uh, the the things that have been built around their new ballpark, SunTrust Stadium. And so they said, you know what, we have an opportunity to spend here and help us in an area of need. And having a strong bullpen is their only hope of beating the Dodgers. And they got lucky that the Dodgers did not help their bullpen. I think the Braves were tremendous winners at the deadline, bringing in Shane Green. And don't forget Chris Martin, who is uh, – under-the-radar six-foot-eight journeyman who's just having a good year, and that's really what you want in a bullpen. You want to trade for someone who's hot. Hey, Dave, what about Cleveland? What about the Indians? I mean, do you feel that a favorite now in the AL Central, you know, after the Twins were, you know, quiet at the deadline? So they're not favored by me. I don't know who they're favored by. The Twins have a better lineup. You know, you can say that they brought in Puig and Reyes. Reyes is a good DH who uh, brings negative defense to their outfield but certainly brings right-handed power, which they needed. And Puig does bring a right-handed bat, but all the other things that Puig brings, to me it's worth a negative one or two wins as opposed to a positive. And then they traded away pitching and didn't really replace it, counting on Corey Kluber getting healthy, counting on uh, Shane Bieber. I was about to call him Justin Bieber. Counting on Shane Bieber continuing um, uh, uh, to ascend into a number one or two starter and hoping that Carrasco comes back from his terrible health issue and Salazar. I just don't agree with doing that. You don't take pitching away from a playoff team. You try to add pitching to it. We're talking to David Sampson, uh, MLB analyst for CBS Sports HQ. You know, David, you were you know, ultra critical of the Yankees. Are you just as critical of the Dodgers? Uh, I'm not just as critical of them because they've made it to the World Series twice, but I caution Andrew Friedman and the rest of the Dodgers, if they lose to the Astros or the Twins or the Yankees or anybody in the World Series, uh, they're dangerously close to being the Buffalo Bills. Hey, 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 I'm a Bills fan here. Slow down, Dave. (laughs) Let me explain what I mean by that. Slow down, slow down there, buddy. (laughs) No, but as as a Giants fan who thinks about Super Bowl 25 every day of his life, let me just point out what the Bills did is unbelievable, making it to the Super Bowl uh, four straight times. However, they couldn't get over the hump and even win one. And that truly is their legacy, whether you're a Bills fan or not. No, I know. I'm joking. (laughs) No, it's okay. Listen, I get it. But if the Dodgers lose three World Series in a row, 
that's going to be their legacy. And they needed to bridge the gap to Kenley Jansen, who is not as effective as he's been. There's something off with him. And they have an unbelievable starting staff. They, they have a great lineup, great experience, great versatility, great bench. Their bullpen is not enough. And even if they move Maeda into the bullpen come playoff time, even if they move Bueller into the bullpen come playoff time, which I don't think they can do, they have to have him start. Bullpens are what win rings in October, not mashing in the middle of your lineup, not having unbelievable starting pitching, but that certainly helps. But at the end of the day, bullpens are the difference. You know, but, you know, stay with that Dodgers. They, they held on to, you know, their top prospects, especially their top pitching prospect, David. This kid, Dustin May, who's set to make his debut tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night for the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? Uh, I guess his nickname is Ginger Guard, right? Uh, an ode to Noah. He's got the flowing red hair, 6'5". <laughs> well, how good is this kid, Dustin May? Uh, he's great. But the question is, it is very rare. You know, in 2003, we had a rookie named Dontrell Willis, who was a critical piece to us winning the World Series. For sure. The Cardinals had Adam Wainwright, who was a critical piece to winning the World Series in 06 as a, uh, the closer. So the, the, it can happen but it doesn't happen all that often. I understand they didn't want to trade their great shortstop prospect, Gavin Lux or Dustin May. I get it. But the Astros managed to get Greinke without trading their top two prospects. And they were very yeah, Tucker's deep still and a stro. And they gave a ton of prospects in between, you know, four and 10 ranking. The Dodgers could have done that as well. They could have found a package. So I just think that they became too enamored with, sticking with their prospects and not realizing that they're in danger of uh, going 0 for 3. And David, you know what I want to ask you? I want to ask you a question, something about, not about the trade deadline, but something, uh, what happened the other night with the Reds and the Pirates and, the, you know, the brawl, the big brawl they had. From a managerial, you know, from a front office perspective, I should say, what's your take on that or how would you have done with, you know, dealt with that with players? I mean, it was a pretty, I mean, you know, it was entertaining. Thank God no one got hurt. But it was it was pretty heavy. It was a it was that wasn't your typical you know yelling at each other and the refs pulling guys I mean the umps up pulling guys apart and stuff like that. This was a this was a straight up Pier Six brawl here. Well, let me tell you what I was doing while watching that brawl live. I was jumping through the TV, pretending that I was the GM of the Cleveland Indians, <laughs> and I was screaming at the Cincinnati Reds because I've never seen it in my 18 years of running a team. When you trade a player. You call the, and it's during a game. You call down to the clubhouse manager, who then goes to the dugout, tells the manager that Yasel Puig has been traded, right. and Yasel Puig gets pulled from the game. Not after an inning, not after 10 minutes. It happens after three seconds. And the fact that Yasel Puig was still in the game is beyond shocking to me, inexcusable. And Dick Williams actually apologized saying I, we didn't think that it would be an issue. We can't believe what bad luck we had that he was only in for a half inning extra, and then the brawl happened. Inexcusable. Mm. Chris Antonetti, the president of the Cleveland Indians baseball operations, said we were watching in disbelief. Well, I wouldn't have just been watching. I would have been on the phone. That was one takeaway. Number two is David Bell, the manager of the Reds. He did two things that are going to cost him greatly. Number one, he was ejected in the eighth inning. So he was out of the game. He then went back onto the field to be a part of the brawl. That will add a few games to his suspension. Number two. Well, hold on, wait, wait. I got to interrupt you, Dave. I mean, I mean, he is. I mean, I understand he was he was in the clubhouse. He was ejected. I got gotcha. you. But he is, you know, 
standing up with his team, fighting with his team. Once it breaks down into that, from an athlete's perspective, you know, you, you kind of got to be there for your guys if, the, if there's a knuckle-up situation. You and I are in complete agreement. What I was simply saying is the minute he comes on that field, it's adding some games to his suspension. Gotcha. He had gotcha. no choice but to come out of the clubhouse, but he knows very well that he's going to have a more you. game suspended because of it. The second thing he did, though, he didn't have to do, and it's going to cost him games as well. Post-game interview. get caught in a headlock? <laughs> he did. No, he <laughs> called out Major League Baseball by saying, Major League Baseball does not protect my players from Clint Turtle and the Pirates throwing at them, so I have to protect them. Mm. I have to do what I have to do to make sure that my men are protected because MLB is doing nothing to protect me or to help my players. Yeah, that I, may be true, but you can't say it. No, that's true. I mean, and some things are better left unsaid. Just like, you know, there, there's never been a purpose pitch thrown in Major League Baseball. Well, we know that's that, <laughs> that happens all the time. You ask the starter after the game or the reliever after the game, everything, you know, the, the baseball all, all the time, it just slipped. I missed my location. <laughs> I didn't have a good grip, whatever it might be. My hand was a little sweaty. I didn't get enough. T- you know, that's the thing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes better uh, things are better left unsaid. Uh, we're talking to David uh, Sampson, MLB analyst for CBS Sports HQ. Uh, David Castellanos uh, going from the Tigers to the Cubs yesterday. Uh, obviously, Chicago trying to keep open that championship window. You know, they their front office has been ultra aggressive. Do you like uh, Do you like what he could provide? The outfielder can provide going from the Tigers to the Cubs. Yeah, I do. I like that platoon with Schwarber, and I think that that's an important pickup. I think it could have been closer to an August pickup. Uh, and they had to take on an extra month of his salary instead of getting him later on into August and having him for a shorter period. But that's an important sort of depth piece who could become, you know, a platoon player and probably will be a platoon player. I like him. He needed to get out of Detroit. Detroit held him for probably a year to a year and a half too long. So the return they got on that asset was less than what they should have gotten because they've got to realize that they can't win with Miguel Cabrera making as much money as he's making as part of their payroll and his ineffectiveness now because of injury and age. So they had to have gotten rid of him earlier and just never pulled the trigger for a reason I'll never know. And that's, you know, trading Shane Green was another example, very smart move. They're not going to compete during his years of control. So get him to Atlanta, get back a good prospect, and move right along. All right, as we sit here on this August 1st, David, you think the clear favor in the American League is Houston, right? You know, I preseason, I, you know, I, I, I must tell you that I got a call uh, in March from the Astros who told me that on July 31st they were going to trade for Greinke. So I actually chose the Astros over the Dodgers in the World Series preseason, and I'm going to stick to that pick. Wait a second. Hold on a second. In March I'm you did Oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, there you go. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding, hey, Dave, listen. It's a little – da- David, Dave, it's a little tough to tell when you're kidding. Let's be honest. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> I know you do. You got very that, much the media. same. You got that stern management yeah, thing going on. Very much. I feel like I'm talking to my boss. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> wife. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to be either of those things to you. Uh, David, uh, you, know, you mentioned about prospects. Final one here is that, uh, you know, the, the baseball fan always loves the prospects in the system, right? Their guy coming up through it, um, you know, especially if those guys develop into stars. From your perspective, you mentioned in terms of being critical of the Yankees and then the Dodgers holding on to their guys, the Astros, even though they didn't trade their top two guys, trade a lot of guys in their top ten, four of them. Um, you know, are, when 
you know, for an organization, is there ever a guy that you deem untouchable? I mean, it, you know, is that something where it's really kind of changed with, you know, control, player control being so key when you look at what you look at young stars in Major League Baseball? The game's gotten a lot younger as we've moved along here. Look at how young the, the National League All-Star team was. So has the perspective of front offices completely changed here in terms of the way they look at their farm system and looking at pieces as being guys that are unmovable? It hasn't, and here's I'm going to give you three stories very quickly. Uh, there have been untouchable prospects and systems the, since I got into baseball in 2000. I'm going to take you all the way back and give you some names that will make you smile. We tried to trade for a guy from the Red Sox named Will Middlebrooks. Yeah. Will Middlebrooks is now with me at CBS Sports HQ, a career 230 hitter who never really had a career because of injury. And he was untouchable. We couldn't get him. Anaheim Angels, Alfredo Amazica and Jeff Mathis. Remember those names? I do, yes. Untouchable. Untouchable. You couldn't offer Hanley Ramirez at his peak and access Jeff Mathis or Alfredo Amazica. Stanton, you know, these guys, Stanton couldn't access Bellinger. That worked out for the Dodgers. We couldn't, we didn't allow anyone to access Stanton. That worked out for the Marlins. But for everyone who we said we wouldn't trade, there was someone who we wouldn't trade who didn't work out. So that's still going to happen here. Prospects are still 50-50, no matter their pedigree. The Dodgers, it is very rare that both Lux and May will be above average all-star major league players. It's possible but not definite. The Yankees, we thought Andujar, Glaber Torres, these guys were coming in above average superstars. Well, now, how many of us talk about Andujar a year later? Well, with nobody with him being hurt, right. But that's, but that's whether it's hurt, which is Will Middlebrooks, or lack of production and performance and becoming who you didn't think they'd become, which is Mathis becoming a no-hit, unbelievably great defensive catcher who's been in the league 15 years but still not who they thought he would be as a frontline guy. So my point is it is rare that these prospects end up being exactly what you think they're going to be. So when you have a chance to help your team and help them now and you've got a window to win, that's your job. Your job is to win at the major league level, not to develop the most prospects. David Sampson, baseball analyst, CBS Sports HQ. David, we appreciate the time. Always do. Great talk a little baseball with you. and yeah. Enjoy your rest of your Thursday. All right? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. Hey, have a great day, guys. Thank you, buddy. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.